Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It is Wednesday night, and so you know what that means. And it is the night before Thanksgiving, so you know what that means. It is the Egg Bowl tomorrow, about 24 and 24 from now. How fitting. I'm Brian Adat. Thanks for listening here. We're Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rhino down there in Studio X. He's helping the cauldron of hate not boil over this evening. Thanks for joining us here. If you want to really join us, you can do it on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. And we'll be happy to talk about it. Richard Cross, of all people, will join us a little later uh, here on the show as we will talk about what? About the battle for the golden egg. So let's just get clean right off the bat. Let's just let's just wash our hands of all the of everything we need to know here and say, you know, and I know that this is a very uphill climb for Mississippi State tomorrow night. You know, and I know that this is going to be a game that Mississippi State is going to have to play its absolute best game of the season, and hope that they get Ole Miss not playing their best game of the season. To have a chance. You know that Mississippi State has to play almost mistake-free while getting Ole Miss to, to make mistakes. You know that Will Rogers has to deliver one of his best games as a Bulldog while keeping Jackson Dart from having one of his best games as a Rebel. A lot has to go right for Mississippi State to walk off the field with the Golden Egg Trophy headed back to their locker room. Can that happen? Sure. Sure. It's college football, guys. But I had a thought today, and and I, I ran through the schedule, and I you know, if I miss one, you know that's fine. But would this be the biggest upset in the uh, in the conference this year? You know, I thought back to Florida, Tennessee when it happened, but at the you know now you look at that game, and it's like well, Tennessee's not that great, so it's not that big uh, of an upset. This I think State beating Ole Miss would be the upset of the year in the SEC. Which doesn't give me a ton of confidence. It means there haven't been a ton of, of upsets this year. Obviously, no one's beaten Georgia. Alabama only lost to Texas, who's a really good team. Ole Miss's two losses. Neither of those would be considered upsets. LSU, uh, you know, losing to, to Ole Miss, you can't really call it an upset. And, you know, Missouri, they have uh, two losses on the season. But, eh, Georgia and, and, and LSU, you know, can't call them huge upsets. So, this would be a massive upset win for Mississippi State. It would be a historic win for Mississippi State. You know, uh, for for Greg Knox to win as an interim, uh, for Will Rogers to win in what could very well be his final game in maroon and white, um, for you know Mississippi State to 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 really put this. Is, I mentioned this on the podcast. Th- this is kind of the real last hurrah of the Mike Leach era at Mississippi State, in my opinion. 
because after this game, I think all the coaches that he brought in that that remained will be gone. Guys like uh, Darcel McBath and Matt Brock, Eric Melee probably will, will, will be heading out of Starkville. And then, you know, the players that he's recruited will remain, but the the, the last vest, air, uh, Will Rogers is really the last vestige of the air raid. When I see Will Rogers, I think air raid. And then when he's gone, I don't know that I'll think that anymore. So it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, this time a year ago, we were talking about this game and getting ready for it. And Mike Leach, you know, against, you know, is he finally going to beat Lane Kiffin? And, and now a year later, we're talking about, you know, the last vestiges of his tenure will be sort of on, you know, gone. After this, it's incredible the amount of change Mississippi State has had to undergo in an eleven-month period. More than a lot of college football teams will go through in a five-year period. Um, and you know, a new day will will will, will rise probably around a week from from today or so. I would imagine that's when we will probably start to get some real idea that. Uh, who, who the next head coach is at Mississippi State. We're going to talk about the head coaching search uh, a little later in the show. Got some information there that maybe we can pass along. But for this game for Mississippi State, guys, they, they you know, what's the line from Friday Night Lights? Can you, can you be perfect? And State's going to have to be pretty close to it. You know, and especially from Rogers' perspective, he, you know, he has to go out in this game and do things that he's only done in one game this season. That was against South Carolina. And I don't think he has to have that same game where he threw for over 450 yards. I don't think he has to be that statistically productive. But he's got to be about 250, 260 on the passing yardage. He's got to throw for a couple touchdowns. He's got to not turn the ball over. And if he can do those things, well, then we're, you know, we, we, we've got something going there for Mississippi State. Defensively, that's where the real challenge is because Ole Miss is a big play offense and State's Achilles heel the entire season has been giving up big plays. They gave up a couple of big plays last week to USM uh, against Texas A&M. Big plays. You know, State all season long has been giving up chunk plays and, the, and Ole Miss is, is the, one of the best at it. You know, Judkins in the running game, Dart can move the ball down the field. Ole Miss has, is the only team in the country uh, with 703 receivers over 700 yards on the season. Trey Harris... Could be a potential All-SEC guy. He's been fantastic for them this year. What State's best chance there is that Ole Miss's offensive line has, has been hurt. It's in it's The injuries have, have caught up with them. And so can Jaden Cromedy and Nathan Pickering and those guys put pressure on Dart, try to make him make plays with his legs, and let Buki Watson and Jet Johnson hopefully clean that up. Johnson and Watson combined last week for 40 tackles. 40 between two guys. And that's why Buki Watson was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week and the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week, and now a semifinalist uh, for the, uh, the the Buckus Award, having an, un- an unbelievable season his final year in Starville, leading the SEC in sacks. And of course, he's a misused nominee for the Connerly Trophy, Quinshawn Judkins for Ole Miss. So this game could determine a lot of votes for for that. I think you know, in, in years past, you've seen a lot of people get their votes in kind of early. I think people are waiting on this one. They want to see. What Watson does, what Judkins does, and then I think they want to see what Shegog does, Patrick Shegog from Delta State, on Saturday. I think they want to see that before they make their vote. I am one of those people. I have not cast my ballot yet. This time last year I hadn't cast it, but I was pretty set in stone that I was going to vote for Quinshaw Judkins first and Emmanuel Forbes second. And I went I went into the Egg Bowl saying, if Forbes can get a pick in this game, I'll, I'm going to change my ballot. He didn't, and so I didn't. And Judkins, and Judkins got my vote, and he got the win. 
Right now, my vote is probably Shegog with Watson, and then either Judkins or Gore third. But Judkins could jump up if he has a big game, and if he has a big game, that's going to go a long way for Ole Miss. So, just a lot. It's 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 almost like a uh, like a like a, like a dominoes pattern. State, you know, they've, they've set up the dominoes, and now it's a question of can they, have they set them up correctly? Are they going to tap the first domino and then they have the chain reaction and everything goes the way you want? Or is one thing going to go out of kilter and throw the whole thing off? That's It's that precarious for State. You know, A plus B plus C, it's got to go all the way down to Z to get the final answer. And if they don't, they're not going to win. Simple as that. Tim and McGee, another Ole Miss fan that loves this podcast. Hey, Dad, you are my, the man, my friend. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. Uh, what about Ole Miss's offensive line that's hurt and beat up? Yeah, that that's 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 what place where State can maybe get some some positive things going for them in there. So, hey, Dad, I don't think I spelled your name right. You did. You spelled it excellent, completely correctly. Could you summarize in a few short words the problems, the State's main problem this season? Talent, coaching, personnel. I'll sum it up in one word. Yes. I mean, it's just been. It's just been a, 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 a problems everywhere. They, they don't they don't have great talent, but they've sort of gotten around that the past few years by being well coached. They don't have that this year either. So even if state wins, it'll be under the mantra of well, it's the Egg Bowl. Won't carry the same upset weight of say knocking off number twelve LSU. Well, I mean, I would agree with that, but wasn't Ole Miss ranked when they beat LSU? I mean that that's that that to me was not that big of an upset. As opposed to an unranked five and six team beating an eight, a nine and two team. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, let's see here. And then we got some old predictions here. One person says Ole Miss two hundred forty six, State three. Seems unlikely. Uh, you know, not that I don't think Ole Miss could win big, but two forty six is a lot. That's that's that would break the all time record held by Georgia Tech against Cumberland, two twenty two. So I don't I don't think it's going to be that bad. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. So, Very interesting uh, 24 hours coming up for Mississippi State fans. And then a, a week of interest after that as we talk about coaching search and so on and so forth. All right. Let's talk to Richard Cross, part-time analyst here on Sports Talk Mississippi. He's been on every day this week, which is an incredibly shock and, both in, and also incredibly disappointing. But he'll be back with us in just a minute. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. And everything about you. On Super Talk Mississippi. I don't think we can let this one run all the way to the chorus, but it is what it is. 
Thunder and lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Why am I laughing? Well, if you look on Twitter, you'll see in a minute. Richard Cross, the co-host of Sports Talk Mississippi, along with me and Michael Borky, five days a week, four days a week this week, but it is what it is. Hey, Richard, thanks for joining me on the program. It is uh, a pleasure and an honor. Should I look on Twitter to see what you've done? Uh, Sure. It's, okay. uh, it's up now. All right. I just then. assume you're back. Ah, yes. As I, that is my prerogative. This is my show, and I can make fun of whoever I choose. And is I it choose Rick you. Flair related, or is this more? Uh, it is not. Related? It is not. It's just a picture of you. It's just a picture of you. Oh, wonderful! Uh, I bet it's the one with me ringing the cowbell. No, no, no. But close. Couldn't, couldn't be. Okay. No. So, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, we're, we're here again. It's that time of year. This is a game for Ole Miss that they have a lot to play for, on, and that's beyond the surface, right? It's not just about winning ten games. It's not just about beating your rival. You know, there's a there's a big difference in bowl game with a win here and then a Missouri loss than there is with a loss here for, for Ole Miss. This team has overachieved all season long, in my opinion. I thought they were going to be good, but I didn't think they were going to be ten win good. What's been the secret for them this year? It starts with Jackson Dart. Um, you know, prior to the last couple of weeks, offensive line plays been pretty good. Uh, Quinchon Judkins set a really high standard with what he did a year ago and has not been as good, and yet still here he is needing, what, 70-ish yards to get to uh, 1,000 yards and become a uh, a two-time 1,000-yard rusher for Ole Miss. It would be the first time in, like, 60 years that, uh, that that's happened. So there's been a lot of good. And then, you know, in the receiving core, Trey Harris has emerged – but I think your point is a good one, hey, Dad, in that you look at this team going in and you look at the schedule, and, and most rational people said, okay, they're probably losing to Alabama, they're probably losing to Georgia, and they did. But then there were another handful of, of toss-up games when you went into the year. Like, well, they're probably not going to win all of them. Well, they have. Um, and, and maybe overachieved. They, they win the game against LSU. A lot of people had that as a toss-up game. Some didn't. Uh, they beat Arkansas going into the year. A lot of people thought that was a toss-up game. Uh, you know, they they managed to win uh, against Auburn, which has traditionally not been easy to do. And so they've been able to check all those boxes of games that were either toss-ups or you should win. They go to Tulane. They get that done early in the year. I know Michael Pratt didn't play, but they've just been solid. And the thing to me that has stood out the most, Georgia game notwithstanding, is how good of a fourth-quarter team uh, Ole Miss has been. We, we looked at those numbers early in the year. They were, what, four or five games into the season and had already scored more fourth-quarter points they, than they did all of last season. Uh, and, and so they've been good at finishing games. And Lane Kiffin has talked about the fact that this team has had, had really good chemistry. And sometimes that's hard to do. I think last year is evidence that that was a little bit harder to do when you bring in as many guys in the portal as Ole Miss seems to be doing on a year-in, year-out basis. And so they've just had a lot of things go right. And it starts with a veteran quarterback who's played at a really high level. On the other side of the ball, I, I think Pete Golding, you know, I don't think he's a nominee for the Broyles Award, but he's done a good job. There, there, there's no getting around that. Ole Miss defensively last year was was a liability. 
And he's taken, you know, a, a team, that's, a, a unit that's kind of loaded with transfers. He's moved the right pieces around, and he's created a defense that they're not a dominant defense, but much like the Ole Miss offense, they're a big play unit. And I feel like that's that to me has as much as Dart's improvement has has been a key. That's the, where I look at with Ole Miss and say that's why they're better. Twelve interceptions by the secondary this year, so that certainly has been a plus. Ole Miss has protected the football well all season long, and, and then they've kind of taken it away from the opponents. The thing that has kind of stood out to me is, look, Ole Miss doesn't have enough talent on the defensive side. They've got guys that have played well. They've got guys that have played hard, but they're not deep enough. They're not talented enough to be a you know top three, four, five defense in the SEC. They're, they're just not. So that's a personnel thing. But with the guys that they do have, you think about years past, there have been a lot of times where you looked up and it's like, how did that guy get that open? There's nobody in the, the frame. If you're watching on TV, you can't see an old Miss jersey as a receiver is running through it. Or, you know, a running back doesn't get touched until he gets you know, seven yards into the kind of the second level of the defense. That hasn't been the case. They, they have been where they are supposed to be. It, it strikes me that they're pretty well coached. And, and not just that the coach is saying, hey, this is where you're supposed to be, but he's teaching it in a way where that's translating to, to the field. And then it's just making plays. And, you know, for most of the year, they've been a pretty good tackling team. Uh, they've done some good things on the, the defensive side. If you go back to, you know, July, August, early September, we talked about, okay, if Ole Miss is going to be a good team this year, they need to make an improvement on defense. It doesn't have to be a dramatic improvement. It needs to be an incremental improvement, and certainly they've done that year over year. We did our predictions on Sports Talk just a few minutes ago, and we both had Ole Miss, all three of us had Ole Miss scoring in the 30s and then some differing opinions on Mississippi State's point total. But if State can somehow make this a rock fight and make it a low-scoring game, can, can Ole Miss win in that kind of, type of game? I think it depends on what Mississippi State's offense looks like. Because if they can't do anything offensively, which has been the case in a few games, then yeah, I think Ole Miss has got a chance and, and maybe even uh, you know better than a 50-50 chance because you know that Ole Miss has explosive plays that are there. Even if they, they, you, you might go you know 50 minutes of a game and feel like you've played a great game and then boom, Jackson Dart hits Jordan Watkins or, or Trey Wallace on a big play and you know, it's a three-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that, that lasted less than a minute. So it feels like that is in the tank. If it's a night where Mississippi State is, if it's a rock fight because Mississippi State is running the ball and controlling the clock and Ole Miss hasn't been able to do anything offensively, then, then maybe the advantage in that scenario goes to, to Mississippi State. Um Somebody asked Lane Kiffin, I, I can't remember if it was something that David Kellum said or something that was asked in a press conference, asked him if he was more comfortable in a tight, low-scoring game or a tight, high-scoring game. And he didn't even hesitate. He said a high-scoring game. He said, because I always believe I can figure out a way to get it done offensively if we're playing a defense that gives us the ability to make plays on the offensive side. I feel like I can outscore people if it's that kind of a game. But if it's a different kind of a game, then you're having to put a ton of trust into your defense and kind of goes back to some of the things we talked about just a little while ago. So if State wins this game, 
What is what does that mean for Ole Miss's season? Does anything change? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it becomes a disappointing year. I mean, and you know, historically, a nine win season is a really good season at Ole Miss. It's a really good season at Mississippi State, but this would be as disappointing a nine win season as you could possibly draw up because of the fact that you know you you cleared all those hurdles that we talked about, right? You beat A and M, you beat LSU, you beat Arkansas, you beat Auburn, um, you you beat who did you, Vanderbilt out of the East and. Yeah. Didn't beat Georgia, didn't they beat Alabama? And so for the second time in three years and the second time in program history, you got a chance for 10 wins in the regular season. If Ole Miss ends up in the Citrus Bowl with 10 wins, the season was an overwhelming success. If they end up in the Citrus Bowl with nine wins or they go to the Outback Bowl with nine wins, it feels completely different because of the way it ended against a Mississippi, not, not a Mississippi State team that's got Dak Prescott at quarterback, not, not 2014 or 2015 Mississippi State, this Mississippi State team that struggled offensively, that struggled defensively at times, that had a coaching change, playing with an interim coach, Will Rogers hasn't looked like himself, all of those things, it would be a really, really disappointing finish to the year. Got about a minute left. Who should, you, who should Mississippi State hire as their next head football coach? Can you get Jeff Trailer? You know I've been beating that drum since the beginning. Yeah. I think he's out for the A&M job, so that might be an interesting one. Of course, your lovely wife said yesterday that she thinks I should get the job. She did. She did. And you said you would do it for $100,000, which means, good gracious, you need an agent. Well, yeah, but I'd have a great staff. I had an idea, though, about that, and I'll just go ahead and tell you that if I were hired to that position, as much as I like Neil Price... I'm going to have to let him go to bring in Richard Cross as the new voice of the Bulldogs. Well, I can assure you my agent is better than yours. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Richard Cross at Davis Wade Stadium calling the Bulldogs, following the footsteps of Jack Crystal and Jim Ellis. I'd love to see it. My friend Richard Cross, have a happy Thanksgiving, man. I'll be looking for you tomorrow in Starkville and hope to see you. Thanks, bud. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and uh, all the folks that are listening as well. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Talk a little bit more about the Egg Bowl here on Thunder and Lightning Live. All of which are American dreams. 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 Thunder and Lightning. On Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Back with you on Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. This show is always there. Five days a week of Mississippi State Talk with me and Robbie Falk, plus a lot of great extra stuff, including this week we had our interview with Dan Mullen where he uh, relived some of his great Egg Bowl memories. We talked to Michael Borky earlier this week, and we'll continue to have extra content throughout the year, college basketball, coaching search, and everything else. And if you are already a subscriber, please rate 
Five stars. Five. Again, my deal to you, say whatever you want in the uh, the review. But five stars. Fair enough, I think. I think. So let's talk about this coaching search a little bit. It's fun to watch the carousel spin, and a guy who was hot one day is not the, the, the next. Today's flavor is Barry Odom. Barry Odom, former head coach at Missouri, former defensive coordinator at Arkansas, and now the head coach at UNLV, where he's having a fantastic year. Uh, they're 9-2. and two. Uh, My initial thought on that uh, potential hire is, blah. No. That goes against everything that I've said beginning. Now, granted, Zach Selman hasn't exactly called me and asked for my information or, or input, but uh, a, a, a retread, there's no other way to put that, defensive coach uh, is, is the opposite of what I feel like Mississippi State needs at this juncture. So that, but that's that's a name that has popped up today as as more of a possibility. Uh, I've been told that John Sumrall, the Troy coach, has some interest, but that it's possible that he is going to make a decision in the very near future to stay at Troy. I'm not sure 100 percent how uh, if he's going to be in Starville or not. I know he had some interest. I believe he I believe he may have interviewed for the job, but I don't know for sure if uh, if he's going to be sticking or if he's going to make that decision. I think Jeff Lebby is a name we need to start looking at, the former uh, and the current Oklahoma offensive coordinator, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, young guy. Now, this is a guy who kind of fits what I was talking about. Now, I I said that I think State needs a proven head coach, but right now it feels like the proven guys who have the offensive backgrounds, your Chadwells, your your Rhett Lashleys, I think those guys are more willing to kind of stay in place right now. Uh, Chad Chadwell got a good deal going on in Liberty right now. Uh, you know, and, and sees the future there with, with, with jobs like South Carolina, North Carolina possibly opening up. Uh, Lashley, he's an Arkansas alum. I think the decision by Arkansas to keep Pittman uh, kind of tempered his enthusiasm to get into the market. So we'll see on those two guys, but I feel like they're fading. Um, Lebby is a guy, a young guy, an offensive-minded guy uh, who – should be able to put together a decent recruiting staff. He's been here in Mississippi before, so he has some connections. He's a good recruiter. Uh, I think he fits the bill a lot of what State would be looking for, but I do, you know, there, there is the, the the question that he is a coordinator. Now, you got to really look at and, and think now at, at some of the teams that have hired coordinators in the past that are doing pretty good, you know. Uh, Kirby Smart never been a head coach. And I'm not saying again when, when you make these comparisons, you feel like you have to like throw in the disclaimer that, hey, I know Mississippi State and Georgia are not the same football program. I know that, but what I am saying is that Georgia, with all its resources and with all its money and with all its recruiting prowess, can hire a coordinator. Then Mississippi State can hire a coordinator. Dan Mullen was a coordinator, worked out pretty good for Mississippi State. So you know, coordinators go go to power programs all the time. Ryan Day was a coordinator, got promoted at Ohio State. Sarkeesian was a coordinator when he got promoted. Now, he had already been a head coach, but the, the fact of the matter is he was a coordinator when he got the job at Texas. Britton Venables at Oklahoma, coordinator. Uh, you know, you can, go around, you can go around the country and find guys like this. So I don't think any decisions have been made. I don't think you can say, you know, I, I'm not expecting the Ross Dellinger zeroing in on tweet Today or tomorrow, 
But I think, like I said, by this time next week, I think we're going to start getting a little bit more clarity and start getting a better, a little bit better idea uh, of where this coaching search is headed. Um, I know Dave Doran's name at North Carolina State has been brought up. Again, I will say blah. That is, the, again, no, there's no excitement. If I, if I, if I'm trying to sell you on Mississippi State football, I'm trying to get your excitement up and I tell you they've hired Dave Doran. What's your reaction to that? It's like, who? A lot of college football fans would say, who? And the ones who know Dave Doran would go, the NC State guy? What? Why is he, why? I don't, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm very lukewarm on Willie Fritz, too. Very lukewarm on him. I like what he's done the past couple of years, but, you know, is the consistency there. Plus, there's the age thing. I, so I, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't sell myself on Willie Fritz. I'm, 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 I'm marking him off. Lebby is very intriguing to me. Of all the coordinators, he's the one that makes the most sense. My guy, Tom Herman, he's fading. He's fading. It just, it wasn't meant to be, Tom. It wasn't meant to be. I love you, man. I, I wanted you to be here, but it just, it's just not meant to be. So, so names will continue to, to pop up here and there over the next couple of days. What I'm, I'm kind of surprised by is that there hasn't, to me anyway, been a truly out of left field name thrown out there. A name where I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, surprising. What were your thoughts running through your head when KJ Wright was talking about Joe Judge earlier? So I get where KJ is coming from. I really do. The idea about having culture, about having a Mississippi State guy in there, makes a lot of sense. And, and I'll be honest, four years ago when they hired Leach and it, you know Judge was going to get that job, don't ever, don't ever for one second forget, Joe Judge was going to be hired by Mississippi State, and then he got the Giants head coaching job, and he, he, turned, he, he couldn't turn down an NFL head coaching job, regardless of what some people would tell you that he might do that. No one's turning down an NFL head coaching job. At that time, I thought that's an intriguing idea to bring him in, let him assemble a staff, an MSU guy, and go from there. Based on what I know from him now as an NFL head coach, I, I don't think it would work. Plus, yeah, I think he's just been away from college for too long, so I, I just don't think it would work. Todd Monken, I, I don't think Todd Monken has any real desire to get back to college. I think he's quite happy in the pros. Uh, what about Elko? Now, now, now we're going somewhere, right? First off, whenever I hear Elko, the first thing I think of is Tim Elko, and I immediately get like a little twitch in my eye. Uh, but Mike Elko, if he's interested, that should be your, that could be your top guy. He is a defensive guy, but I think he he seems like the kind of coach who's smart enough to bring or to hire an offensive uh, an offensive coordinator who would bring the kind of excitement that you're needing. If Mike Elko were, were interested, that would be a good one. Malzahn, nah, nah, can't you can't you can't sell me on that. When I look at some successful D2 head coaches, just asking your take, it's just such a huge leap. It's it's one thing you were talking about an FCS coach. D2, is I mean, that's a huge, huge leap there. You, you go from a guy, a coach making however much a year to you're going to come into an NIL situation where your players are getting that in a year. I, I don't. I think that's just too big a leap, especially when we're talking. If you're talking about a, a D2 coach going to a group of five job, I can I can get I can understand some of it. In the SEC, this is not a this is not a great place to learn on the job. I, I I just don't think I just don't think it would work. I just don't. So, a lot of lot of lot of there's some options. There. I, I'm just I'm really am surprised there hasn't been that out of nowhere uh, name yet. We'll see if one pops up. 
you know, we got we still got time left. Let's talk a little hoops real quick. Uh, the team's good. I want everybody to write down that Brian Haydad said they were good. They're five and zero. They're dominating these teams without Tolu Smith. They haven't really got any kind of contribution from Andrew Taylor, the Marshall transfer, who I think we all thought was going to be a big contributor after he averaged 20 points a game at Marshall last year, but he hasn't really. Josh Hubbard, though, what a player he looks to be in the early stages of his career. He looks like a star. He looks like a modern-day NBA point guard. You know, Yeah, he's undersized, but he can hit the three. He can handle. He plays defense. He can get to the rim. He just looks like a, a, a total package basketball player. That's only five games. Got a long way to go. I don't expect him to be as good against Kentucky and, and Tennessee as he's been against, you know, Northwestern and UT Martin. But if he's going to be that valuable of a piece when you get Tolu Smith back in the lineup, and I continue to hear that you could see Tolu back a little sooner than advertised, could be back a little closer to, you know, late December than mid January. I mean, this team is is tough. They're go, they're going to be a factor this year nationally. They're already they've already cracked into the poll at, at twenty five, and I think they're going to continue to climb up there. You know, they have an interesting game on Friday against Nichols, who beat LSU earlier this year. But I like this team. I like their attitude. I just think Jans is a fantastic coach. Really, really good basketball coach. So. Very excited to see where this team takes us over the next uh, few weeks. That game against Georgia Tech will be interesting. Georgia Tech had a bad loss a couple couple weeks ago, so maybe that's one state can get. And you know, talk about seven and zero in non conference play with a couple, you know, with, with a couple of neutral site wins and then a road win at Georgia Tech. That's a, that's a pretty good setup there. So, all right, we'll wrap it up when we come back. We'll give you a prediction. You're not gonna like it. Let's go ahead and break the news to you. You're not gonna like the prediction. I didn't like making it. But we'll do it when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. used to live in Bartlett, uh, Tennessee, not too far from Egypt Central Road, where these guys were from. Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. Last few minutes here before we're out. Don't forget, tomorrow's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi is a best of leading into uh, kickoff of uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss on your uh, local Super Talk channels. And, of course, here in the Golden Triangle, if you're around, WLZA 96.1, you can catch the Mississippi Peanut Supply Tailgate Show hosted by uh, me. And <laughs> We'll, we'll preview that game three hours before kickoff. 96.1 here if you're in the uh, Starkville area. My eyes are watering. I don't know why. Am I already thinking about my, my reaction to the end of the game tomorrow? Could be. Could be. Like I said at the beginning of the show, um, this is a game Mississippi State has to play pretty close to perfect in and at the same time find a way to force Ole Miss into mistakes. 
And for a team that just has played poorly all season long, they've been inconsistent. Uh, they've been conservative on offense when they didn't need to be. They haven't been able to string performances together. All of those things, it's difficult for me to see Mississippi State just up in the biggest game of the year against a good Ole Miss football team just up and playing this 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 game that they haven't seen, you haven't seen all season long. And I know that they say, you know, in the Egg Bowl, anything can happen, crazy things happen. And they're right, crazy things do happen. All right? We get fights, we get unusual celebrations, shall we, shall we say. We get off-the-field stuff happening between the fans. You know, the the I'm probably gonna if, if Ben Garrett would had if Ben Garrett had the courage to show up tomorrow, I would take him out. I tell you that much is true. But he won't. But but all this stuff happens and then you can play the game and the actual result of the game is usually the favorite wins. Last time we had an upset, a real true upset, a double digit underdog upset, two thousand seventeen, and that's when Ole Miss wins here in Starkville. Matt Luke, as the interim, gets the head job a few days later. That's the game, of course, Nick Fitzgerald gets hurt in that game. And so, you know, that, that, that changed everything for Mississippi State, changed the dynamic. Also, Dan Mullen's last game uh, at Mississippi State. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and predict injuries, or I don't even want to call for an injury, but it's, it would take some sort of drastic thing like that happening to Ole Miss. And even then, you know, State at that time, their backup was a true freshman in Keaton Thompson. Ole Miss has a very veteran backup in Spencer Sanders, who I think could come in and at least lead that offense capably. Uh, there. Russ says from Tupelo, whatever, we will endure it together. Whatever happens, happens. What else can we do? Cheer for Ole Miss? Not happening. Hell State. Correct, Russ. These are those. If, if nothing else, guys, we have each other. But I don't think we're going to have the Golden Egg Trophy. Uh, after about ten o'clock tomorrow night, I just I just don't see how Mississippi State's able to to even really stay on the field here. I feel like State's going to come out early. They're going to be excited. The crowd's going to be into it, and then we're going to look up and it's seven nothing Ole Miss. Then it's fourteen nothing Ole Miss, and it just sort of goes from there. And, and 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 as much as I hate to say it, I've only predicted Ole Miss to win twice. Now I predicted them to win last year, and I was wrong, much to my uh, amazement and delight. This is one where if State wins this game, don't miss Friday's Sports Talk Mississippi because I'm, I'm going to be in pretty good form for that one, I promise you. But I just, I've tried all week to talk myself into it to find a way, a path that State could pull off an upset. And I agree, you know, in college football, maybe not in the SEC this year, but in college football, upsets happen all the time. Crazy things happen every week in the game of college football. So to say that it's impossible would be wrong, but to say that it's probable or definite, or likely, or anything like that, eh, I just can't do it, guys. So, it hurts my heart to say it, but Ole Miss 35, uh, Mississippi State 10. I just I just don't like State's chances in this game. I just don't. I feel like the next bit of good news we'll get from Mississippi State is the hiring of a new coach, and we'll see if it's good news, because you know, some of the names tonight, geez Louise, I am not, I'm not looking forward to trying to sell you guys on that. I'll put it that way. So, we'll see. I will hope that each and every one of you, though, has an outstanding Thanksgiving. I hope that your turkey, your dressing, your cranberry sauce, your rolls, your pumpkin pie, whatever is on the spread, I hope it's delicious. I would like to see it. Please tweet at me tomorrow, at Brian Haydad, with a picture of your Thanksgiving spread. I know that uh, Scott Van Pelt does it every year with Show Me the Turkey, or Show Me the Tree. I want you to show me the turkey tomorrow on Twitter. So I'll, I'll tweet that out in the morning. I want to see what everybody's cooking. 
I'll do my Thanksgiving on Saturday. Looking forward to a full day of college football uh, and a Thanksgiving spread. And I want to thank all of you guys. This has been a, a lot of fun doing this show for the past year and some and some change now. I want to thank Rhino down there in Studio X. I'm thankful for him. Maybe he's the one who makes everything work for me here. And I think again, thank all you guys for listening. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Tomorrow's the battle for the golden egg. If your mind isn't right by now, guys, I don't know that it's going to be. So regardless of outcome, we will have our minds right as we walk into Davis Wade Stadium tomorrow. For Rhino, down in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Happy Thanksgiving. This has been Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.